That's my dad. And that's my kid. We found out a long time ago the family dinner table is a perfect place for a great conversation. Grab a plate and pull up a seat. We keep the sweet tea cold around here. So make yourself comfortable and join us for a dinner table discussion. Why, good evening, young lady. Hello. Thank you so much for coming over early, bringing the pasta so that we could have spaghetti. It was most delicious. And thank you for getting the table cleaned off in quick fashion so that we could do our podcast episode. Hey, listen, when mom makes spaghetti, I'm knocking at the door at 7 a.m. going, is it time? Is it time? Is it time? Is it time? Well, she made the meatballs and she made the meat sauce. You were the noodle contributor. Listen, she called me earlier and she goes, hey, do you have spaghetti pasta? Yes, I have eight boxes of spaghetti pasta. Now, when you say spaghetti pasta, uh-huh. does that mean specifically spaghetti noodles or does it mean any type of pasta you may have to go into making spaghetti with air quotes No, it is specifically the long, thin, skinny noodles that you typically have with spaghetti. Because your mom is known to change it up on occasion. Yeah. Any type of pasta noodle that she grabbed off a shelf. Yeah. Works. Right. So I grew up that way, that like spaghetti was your noodle of any description with your meat sauce and your meatballs. And your shaky cheese. Must have shaky cheese, Must yes. have shaky cheese. Apparently, we are the only people that do that. No, otherwise Parmesan cheese would not be in the supermarket. Not the shaky cheese. Oh, okay, what? The exchange of the noodles. Ah, so if we were going to be completely accurate in our dinner terminology, it was pasta with meat sauce. Right. And meatballs. Right. And shaky cheese. Yes. Because according to my husband, you can't have bow tie spaghetti. And I said, of course you can. And he said, no, that is pasta with meat sauce. And I went, no, it's not. It's spaghetti. And he said, no. So he was very adamant that spaghetti must be made with spaghetti noodles. What if it is another long, thin noodle similar to spaghetti like angel hair pasta? That one's okay. So he'll let that one slide. That one he'll let slide. Mm. But I can't throw in like rigatoni. Why not? It's not spaghetti then. Now with like chicken Alfredo or something, any noodle we want, throw it in there. See, it's the same to me. It's the same pasta. So you're going to get the same texture. You're going to get the same flavor, which really doesn't have any. The meat sauce has the flavor and the seasoning and the shaky cheese and the Italian meatballs that your mom loves. So maybe this is something similar to your Reese's. One tastes better than another because it's a different shape. Maybe. Listen, he asks for very little in regards to me cooking. Well, he might expect very little. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) sir, I am a good cook, okay? I didn't say you weren't. He asks very little when it comes to my cooking. So if he's like, if you're going to make spaghetti, it must be spaghetti noodle. I'm like, all right, cool. I can get away with that. I mean, I know that you have written books 
before you are a published author. I am. Amazon, check me out. Kaylee Madison Cochran. But if you were to write your own cookbook, I think it would be a very short read. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Listen, I tried last year. I started to write a salsa recipe book. Okay. The first page of the book says, this is not your average recipe book. If you don't like something, take it out. If you really like it, add more. You're going to see on these recipes, season to your taste what you like. That's good advice. But it's also very freeing information to have because some people will want to follow a recipe step by step, not deviating in any way. Mm -hmm. Maybe they've tasted it before and they want to taste the exact same thing again. And so they dare not substitute or deviate in any way. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you feel that way, that they can change it around and make it their own. Mm -hmm. You know, I wonder how that would work in other cookbooks because really a cookbook is advising someone how to cook something in a manner that the person who wrote the book feels that it is the way of doing it. Okay. And so really you shouldn't deviate or substitute. But if I'm cooking it for my consumption, why can't I change things up a little bit? Right. What if I don't have Himalayan sea salt that is one of the ingredients? Can I substitute it for a different kind of salt? I feel like as long as it's sea salt, it wouldn't be the end of the world. What if it calls for a particular cut of beef and I don't have that, but I have a different cut of beef? It's still beef. Now, it may not have the same texture or tenderness or or whatever, but I think that a recipe should be a suggestion of how to make it the way that person made it, but not etched in stone. I agree up to a point. Let's take baking, for example, okay? Baking is a science. This is the way that I've heard it described for years. You have to have certain amount of ingredients and the right everything to the right measurement to get the cake or the cupcake or the cookie or whatever to bake correctly. That makes sense. So up to that point of having, I need this much flour, this much egg, this much milk, this much whatever. But if it's a chocolate cake, and I was notorious for doing this as a kid and I still do it today, I'm going to throw something extra in there. A little bit of peanut butter, do like a Reese's cake, cut up some fresh strawberries, throw them in there. Delicious. I used to make you a pineapple cake every year. And I would take chunks of pineapple and add that into the cake. And I do not know why you stopped. Because I moved out and Lucas doesn't eat pineapple cake. That's his problem. (laughs) Why did you make it my problem? (laughs) I think next week we should have one of your delectable pineapple cakes here upon the table. You may not hear much out of me on the mic because my (laughs) mouth would be filled with it. But hey. Listen, there are no Jamie Bakes, all right? Jamie Bakes makes hers from scratch. I ain't got that kind of time or patience. I go to the grocery store. I get me a box of Duncan Hines or Betty Crocker, and I just go from there. Okay, let me ask you this then. Okay. A red velvet cake. Mm-hmm. Granted, by name, it should be red in color. Mm-hmm. But what if it wasn't? Then it's not a red velvet cake. What if it tasted just like... 
a red velvet cake. Same ingredients across the board with the exception of the food coloring. What if the food coloring was lime green? Now, that would mess with your mind when you're taking a bite of something that is lime green and tastes red velvet. It would. But why not? You know that that's a thing, right? No. Like, that's an actual thing. You can go to the store and get pink velvet, yellow velvet, and blue velvet cakes. I said lime green. I haven't seen lime green, but I have seen the blue and the pink velvet at the store. We'll get your mom to make one. (laughs) So maybe today's topic could be unsolicited advice, meaning like in the context of a cookbook, someone is advising you how to correctly make a particular dish or, or many dishes. Okay. What if you don't want all of their advice? What if you want to do it your way? Your salsa, for example, Mm -hmm. you may have found a recipe as kind of a baseline to start with, and then you take off in your own direction from there. But if someone were to tell you, Kaylee, you didn't make that right. You didn't follow the recipe. Would that not be unsolicited advice that perhaps you may or may not receive so well why are you grinning because i don't know if you know this but your daughter is petty with a capital p (laughs) i am petty by textbook definition so you don't take advice well no it's not that i don't take advice well but if you told me i made salsa wrong well guess who's not getting any more salsa ever (laughs) again I will come up and slap that spoon out of your hand at the party and go, no, no, because I made it wrong. You would not. I would. You would not slap a spoon out of someone's hand. I would. You may confront them, but. Oh, no, I I won't even say that. I'll just come up and I made that wrong. (laughs) Smack it out of your hand. No, I'm petty to a T. Yes, that would. Petty to a T? Petty to a T. Or petty to a P? Both. Okay, fine. And an E and a second T and a Y. (laughs) Have you not seen the cheerleaders? I'm petty. Eh, yeah, I'm petty. Okay. P-E to the T-T-Y. Yeah, anyway, that's me. I'm petty. I had not seen that. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> being petty is not the topic of conversation right now. I feel like it's all in how you approach giving unsolicited advice. Okay. So if somebody were to come up to me and be like, you made that wrong. That's not how you should have done it. This is how you should have done it. Girl, are you making salsa? Did you slave in the kitchen for three hours trying to make this? What if it was a guy that said that to you? I call him girl, too. (laughs) Listen, were you the one that was in my kitchen at four o'clock this morning listening to podcasts and trying to make salsa? No, (laughs) you were not. So get up out of my kitchen. Now, if you were to approach me and you were to say, hey, listen, what if you added honey? Or what if you made this particular salsa? The flavor is good, but what if you made it a little sweeter or you added a little more heat or you did this or you did that? So perhaps a creative suggestion rather than a critiquing unsolicited advice. Is that fair? That's fair. I think it's all in how you approach it. Now, I know when I give unsolicited advice, it's always like, Hey, listen, I know you didn't ask for this, but I'm going to tell you because if I don't tell you, I'll forget. And this really helped me. And so if you get into this situation, it might help you. Or I had no idea about this. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you before you go through it 
okay, I think you just touched on something that for me, it is, of course, the positivity or negativity that the advice seems to come with. Okay. But even more so for me is the timing of it. Mm -hmm. If someone wants to offer me advice on how to do something, how to make something, Mm -hmm. how to whatever, for me, it's best that that advice comes before I do it. Okay. Because the phrase that really makes my butt want to suck a lemon is, well, what you should have done was, no, 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 stop right there. Don't say another word. What you should have done is been here before I did it to begin with to offer your advice. After the fact, unsolicited advice does not help me. If I request it, if I solicit that advice, if I said, Kaylee, I tried to make this pineapple cake that you used to make for me. I did the best job that I could, but it is nowhere near as good as you made it. Can you please help me out? I'm now soliciting advice after the fact. Right. Unsolicited, and this is something I know that you would not do, so I'll go ahead and use it as the example. That's fine. Would be you show up and I've got the pineapple cake made and you're like, that doesn't look like what I used to make. What you should have done was... No, ma'am. No, don't give me after the fact unsolicited advice because I already know that what I did didn't turn out like I wanted it to. And now you're rubbing salt in the wound. My problem is that I don't write down recipes. I get in the moment. I'm just making it as I go along. Mama Jill calls it a voila dish. Who? A friend of mine. Her mother is Jill. We all call her Mama Jill. Okay. Mama Jill has voila dishes where she just puts stuff together and throws it on the table and goes, voila. Ah, you mean voila. Yes. She said, don't ask me how to make it because I don't know. And don't ask me how to spell that because I can barely say it, much <laughs> less try to spell it. So what about advice that is not food related? We've talked about the cookbook and your salsa and the cake and stuff like that. But, you know, there are far more important things in life that people want to give unsolicited advice on. And sometimes it's kind of humorous to me when people will chime in and want to offer advice on something that it doesn't seem they were very successful with themselves. Like, let's say you're having water cooler conversation at the office and the topic is about relationships. And somebody steps up to tell you how you should handle your relationship. And she ain't got a man, can't keep a man, done been divorced four times, ain't going to find a man. But she's an authority going to tell you how to be in a relationship with a man. Sometimes that just cracks me up. And, And that was just an example. There are people that want to give medical advice. And you take a look at them and they look like they're almost on death's door. They don't take care of themselves. They're totally unhealthy, but they want to give you advice of how you should be eating or how you should be exercising or you know what I'm saying? So that is humorous to me, but I can see where it can be aggravating as well, because obviously, at least reading the book by the cover Sister ain't got it going on herself, so why is she trying to tell me? 
So I guess in any situation, if you are going to offer someone else advice that they did not solicit, maybe check yourself first. Like I have a friend, Carly, who is currently pregnant. And I'm just saying this because this is what we're going through. I got a little one. I got a newborn. She's pregnant. And she's asked me like, hey, how did you handle this situation? What did you do here? Well, see, that is solicited advice if she's asking you. Right. But then there's other times where like I would leave the doctor's office because I was six months ahead of her. Noah is, you know, three and a half months and she is about to have her son. Her son's due in August. I would leave a doctor's office and I would go, hey, just so you're aware, when you get to this point, this is what's going to happen. Like, this is the test that they're going to do. This is the, you know, ultrasounds that they're going to run. This is this, this is that, you know, whatever. When I went through my gestational diabetes test that they did. Okay. I had never been through it. And I've heard nothing but horror stories about it. Okay. About it's awful. The drink is super sugary. It makes you really sick. You can't eat. You can't do this. You can't do that. All this other stuff. And then I went through it and I was like, it's really not that bad. So I texted her and I was like, hey, you didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you anyway. This is what I went through. This was my experience. Don't buy into the hype of, oh, it's excruciating and it's awful and it's this and it's that. When I actually went through labor... I got home from the hospital and I went, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this so that I don't forget. But these were things that I did not know walking into labor that I wish somebody would have told me. Well, see, that is coming from a good place. That is trying to help someone out. Of course, I guess any unsolicited advice is intended to help someone out. But you were sharing information that she could find very beneficial about something she is about to experience. Right. But she never asked for it. She never came to me and said, hey, Kaylee, can I eat during labor? Hey, Kaylee, does your water have to break for you to get an epidural? Which it doesn't. I was amazed by that because they offered me my epidural and I went, my water hasn't broken. And they're like, eh, we're not worried about that. I was like, all right. So maybe if you're going to offer advice that's not solicited, not just you in particular, but anyone, maybe it could start with, you know, I just went through a similar situation. And if you want, I can tell you my experience and then leave it up to them whether or not Mm -hmm. they say, okay, tell me what you know. And I mean, it could be anything from I can remember when I had to replace our hot water heater. Mm -hmm. I'd never done that before. And so I called my dad. And I said, you ever replaced a hot water heater before? Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. And we had a conversation. And so I solicited that from him. Right. But in addition to the information I solicited, he also gave me additional information that I would not have known to ask about, like the tools that I would need to make that happen. Okay. Like making sure the power was turned off, the water main was turned off, all of these additional things that wasn't specifically related to physically taking one hot water heater out of the basement and putting a new one in. Mm -hmm. So there was unsolicited advice given, but it was beneficial. And the fact that it was related to something I was already asking about. Mm -hmm. So it can be hot water heater. It can be birthing information. It can be new mother information like you were just, it can be any type of information. I would just say a lot of people probably have some reservation or some issue, big or small, 
with others force feeding them unsolicited advice. If I'm standing in the middle of the line at Walmart, this hasn't happened to me, but I know other people that it's happened to. If I'm standing in line at Walmart and I'm buying formula for my baby and somebody comes up and goes, are you buying formula? What you should be doing is breastfeeding. What you should be doing is this. What you should be doing is that, which that's a huge hot button topic for mothers, fathers, for people that have infants about formula versus breastfed. Mm -hmm. I didn't ask for your advice. You have no idea why I'm formula feeding, whether I couldn't produce breast milk or whether I chose to formula feed or any other number of reasons as to why I have formula in my cart rather than breastfeeding. And I can even see where that specific example would be a deviation from unsolicited advice and become an unsolicited opinion. Yes. You know, sometimes unsolicited advice can be factual Mm -hmm. and sometimes it can just be opinion. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone has an opinion and everyone wants their opinion to be heard Mm -hmm. in some way, shape, form or fashion. But if it's unsolicited, again, it becomes maybe awkward at best and causing a lot of anger at worst. (laughs) Like I said, it all depends on how the person receiving the advice approaches the situation. We have a friend that no matter how you approach them with advice, whether it's asked for or unsolicited, and it could be as simple as, hey, I saw that you tied your shoes this way and that you were having difficulty with it. Here's how I do it. And this is easy for me. They take it as an attack. So I think part of it is like also knowing your audience. I see what you're saying, because unfortunately, there are some people that seem to be predisposed to be offended. Mm -hmm. And if you offer suggestions on something as simple as tying shoes, like you were just saying, immediately they're going to say or they're going to think that you're telling me I'm doing it wrong. And you may have only been offering an alternate method to achieve tied shoelaces. Mm -hmm. And you weren't trying to tell them they were doing it wrong. You were just offering an alternative method. Yeah. And someone who has that mindset of every time someone gives them advice, that equals your way is better than their way or you're right and they're wrong or whatever. And, you know, unfortunately, there there are people that have that mindset. And sometimes you are going to find it very difficult offering them any kind of advice that they're going to receive well. I think it all goes back to knowing your audience. Like, I'm not going to willingly approach somebody like in the supermarket, somebody I have no idea who they are and be like, hey, this is what you should do. Lucas does this a lot. We'll be in St. Augustine and our favorite restaurant is right on the water. Mm hmm. We'll be walking past it and people will be looking at the menu and they'll be discussing it amongst themselves and be like, oh, do you think this place is good? Blah, blah, blah. And Lucas will walk by and go, it's delicious. You should go in. Don't even question it and just keep walking. And they're like, okay, thanks. And I'm like, oh, honey. That's a recommendation. They didn't ask for his advice on if the food was good. Sometimes he'll even be like, get the chicken Jolie. It's divine. And I'm like, you don't eat the chicken Jolie when we go there. I eat the chicken Jolie. You get the gumbo. And we just keep going. 
we were sitting at a patio table in St. Augustine and I went inside to get a drink and came back out. And he has struck up a conversation with this couple from Wisconsin. And he's like, what you should do is you need to go to this restaurant. You need to make brunch reservations over here at this restaurant. And then after you have brunch, you need to take the A1A and go down here and get lunch and cigars over here. And I'm like, honey. So have you noticed that we got right back on food again? We started <laughs> with food. I mean, it is the dinner table. I, I grant you that. But what's an example of something not food related, not baby related, not anything that we tend to gravitate towards? School. You went to school. I went to school. A lot of people have an opinion on what classes you should take. If you go to college, what your major should be or mm -hmm. uh, like, for instance, there were some courses you took either in high school or something that was mythology. Yes. Greek mythology. Mm -hmm. and some people may say, well, that's just a total waste of time. I recall you enjoyed it. You spoke about it all the time. You read about it all the time. Someone may say, well, it's not factual. You should have taken history instead of mythology. That would be their unsolicited opinion of what you did with your choices of classes. Spoiler alert. It counted as a history class. <laughs> it was the history of mythology. In Greek mythology, correct me if I'm wrong, the half men, half horses. What were those called? The centaurs. Are you talking about man from the waist up, horse from the waist down? Yes. Those are centaurs. Okay. If I remember correctly, there was a particular centaur whose name was, and I'm probably going to mispronounce it, Chiron. Yes. Or Chiron. Yes. Which is the correct? I don't remember. <laughs> okay. Chiron, C-H-I-R-O-N, mm -hmm. Chiron or Chiron. He was half horse and he was half human and he was a doctor. Yes. Which would have made him the centaur for disease control. <laughs> I walked into that one. <laughs> That was a good one. That was a man. I, I was like, yeah, let me let me throw some mythology knowledge on you. But seriously, some people could offer you, and perhaps they already have. <laughs> the CDC. <laughs> some people may have already offered you unsolicited advice. That was a waste of opportunity for other fields of study, but it was your choice to make. They can think whatever they want to think. Mm -hmm. That's their right. But telling you, well, what you should have done was maybe what they should have done is kept their opinion to themselves. They should meet the parakeets attached to my hands. <laughs> She's got the body of a human and the hands of a bird. <laughs> I'm not going to throw some unsolicited advice at you. Okay. However, I will be dropping some unsolicited advice on our listeners. That would be? Tune in next week mm -hmm. for another riveting dinner table discussion. Riveting. If you're a new listener, listen back to our previous dinner table discussions. Yes, please. Hit us up on our social media pages. Yes. And have a nice cold glass of sweet tea on us. Sweet tea? Sweet tea. 
sweet tea sounds divine. I'll race you to the fridge. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another dinner table discussion. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with your family and friends, post about it on social media, and think about leaving us a five-star rating or a review. We'd love to get your feedback on today's episode and maybe some suggestions on future topics. Feel free to email us at dtdpodcasts at gmail.com. You can reach us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Both are at Dinner Table Discussions Podcast. We'll see you next week with a cold glass of iced tea for another dinner table discussion.